Lock us in. Load us in. Pop in that A-track. Spin the tape. Here we go. everybody welcome back to the latest resistance recap hosted by the two idiots that run the star wars time show that's right it's matt and nick and pete and ellie all the cats all the friends are around and we're here to talk the latest episode of star wars excuse me as blah 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 i'm speaking my my bausch right yeah you're you're filling in with some Gungan, with some yeah. actual like <laughs> Gungan language. Uh, I got I got boom bastard by the boost bastard in my head to Gasker. Yeah. 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 Anyways, we're we're gonna talk about <laughs> Star Wars Resistance. There we go. I got it out the mouth this time. Uh, most recent episode. Uh, if you're keeping score again, we're S one E thirteen at least by Nick and I's score. And the title episode was Dangerous Business. Pretty good episode overall. But in terms of Easter eggs and Star Wars franchise references, it was a stinker. So we're gonna go ahead and start out with that, Nick. I mean, th- this episode, Dangerous Business. One could argue that I probably could have just taken this week off and not done an Easter egg video because there really wasn't anything. I mean, I definitely had to get even more imaginative than last week with the one, and the other was just a blatant reference to a, an alien race we, we've heard and probably don't necessarily love. So that's all we got in this episode, my friend. Two references. One very um, kind of loosey-goosey. The other one, anyone with ears could have picked up on it. Yeah, so let's be clear, too. If if we only list two and Matt only finds two, there's only two because Matt doesn't miss them. If you guys have been following along with the Resistance recap, then you know when Matt lists an Easter egg, it's true, it's legit, and you can go through the episode and you probably can't find any more. And mostly, you know, the reason why we have so few in this episode is because of the setting of this episode. We're really kind of contained to three very small locations. So we're in um, we're in the requisition office, which is Orca and Flix's kind of scrap little business. We're in a storage container and we're in a uh, what's essentially like a. I don't know, like a garage of some type. And well, that's I, about I it. The, the hull of a ship. ship too. Yeah, yeah, yeah the, the, the hull the of the starship. Yeah. So that's really our only location. So Matt, you were able to dig two out of these, you know, out of these, uh, these references <laughs> and stuff like that. I mean, like the that. one I literally had to dig from deep within my anus. Yeah. And that's so... <laughs> number one. Okay, so there's a moment where, as Nick said, this episode's contained to a, a few locales on the Colossus. In particular, Acquisitions, the, the shop ran by that kind of tall birdie-looking thing and squatty-looking pig thing with ears, Flix and Orca. Anyways, while uh, Kaz is out and about getting himself locked up in crates, BB-8's holding down the fort, and this shady character comes in and wants to steal something, so they kind of get into a tussle. And uh, as BB-8's doing his best to fight a humanoid alien with a blaster, again, he has no real appendages outside the little gadgets he has stuffed in his ball, he pulls out what I call 
a heroic Skywalker-esque rope swing. So yes. why is it Skywalker-esque, Nick? It's from episode four, everybody, when they make the swing over the, the Death Star pit, him and Leia, as they're swinging from one door to another to escape the, the chasing uh, stormtroopers. So, I mean, like, that's... That's the the Skywalker esque rope swing. I mean, right the, there. the twins love to swing on ropes because they do it again in Return of the Jedi. So I mean, they that, do. that's kind of like their thing. This time, I don't think they kissed. No, uh, but the first time they definitely got a, uh, Luke got a smooch for good luck from old. Exactly, Sissy. exactly. And this this entire sequence of events that that one in particular was a very good call out, calling out the rope swing. But if you look it, it at looked kind great of the... too. I love seeing his little bulbous ass just kind of oh swing yeah through like. I always wish, actually, I don't, because they they do it in Revenge of the Sith, but they added the you know if they add the the Tarzan call to it, but they actually did that. George did that in Revenge yeah. of the Sith when Chewbacca swing rope swings. See, rope swings kind of a thing in Star Wars. Yeah, swings yep. down to take out that Separatist like droid tank. Yeah, exactly. When they were on the water. So there's a, yeah. <laughs> now that yeah, now that That's you exactly think about it, how it sounds too. Oh man. Like, you would figure that Indiana Jones was more apt to have rope swings in it, which there's a lot. I mean, like, if you go back through the Indiana Jones series, he uses his whip to swing often. But, he, you know, George is apparently a fan of that kind of stuff and then, yeah. you know, fits them into Star Wars I mean, as Indy well. definitely came into mind when I was trying to justify even including that moment in the Easter egg breakdown. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, you correctly picked out the, the Skywalker, you know, link there. And then also, if you've seen the whole sequence breakdown and how BB-8's essentially fighting this character that Matt mentioned, there is a bit of reminiscence to the uh, the scene in Episode Three when R two and Anakin crash on the the Separatist flagship, and R two fights these two super battle droids by himself, like sets them on fire and flies up and electrocutes them and does all this shit. It's a little bit. There's a little bit of reminiscence to that as well. But I think that the right call out the the true Easter egg was the was the rope swing moment. So good good catch by you, Matt. And then um, so moving on to number two, and like you said, this is more of like a call out of a of an alien race. It, that we I know. mean, it's a straight up reference. And Flix and Orca, who I'm assuming are a couple, or you know, kind of like an odd couple, if you will, with their little pit droid buddy. Yeah, uh, they went on a holiday, and that's why Kaz and BB-8 were holding down acquisitions. But anyways, upon their return, they're arguing, and something pops up, and, and Flix comes out and essentially mentions that he's part Gungan, which is funny to think about because he looks like this, again, kind of a uh, flamingo with a bulbous body, and he wears goggles. Yeah, he doesn't uh, look like a Gungan as you would. But was it? Orc typically. was essentially making fun of his dad for being Gungan or something. Yeah, it was it was a very odd kind of conversation that you entered into in that scene, but it does like if you look at Flix, he doesn't look like it. Like I mean, who Gungan. knows if he was just full of shit or just you know yanking our legs? But it, it again, it was a reference, so and it was an easy one to pick up. I mean, arguably the easiest re franchise reference out of all of the references I've found so far, because it's a, a direct reference to the Gungan race. Yeah. Yeah. And if you guys are struggling out there to figure out who the Gungan is, the famous Gungan is that Matt mentions. Husa or Yusa? Misa yeah. Jar Jar Binks. Okay. Misa yeah. Jar Jar Binks. Correct. So yeah, that's Jar Jar. If you're wondering what a Gungan is, who they are. So 
just go look at the end of episode one and you'll see a, a whole host of Gungan. I mean, they as had a they... direct hand in giving the Chancellor emergency powers. Yeah, they as in Jar Jar. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, yeah, he's, like he's you said. shining star on the galactic stage, though. Dude, you know what would be hilarious? Like, there should be a plaque somewhere in the in the imperial headquarters thanking jar jar for his his service uh, to the empire black i mean palpatine should have built him a statue for christ's sake yeah no just like that that was the easiest con palpatine had to do in his decades long planning of the sith takeover of the galaxy yeah that was the, he's, he's like he's like holy shit how did this stumble into my lap ah best part is padme's not even here so he's literally gonna hand over the vote for naboo yeah, Fantastic. exactly. This is you have easy. to manipulate probably the easiest. He's like, I don't even have to try. I mean, he didn't have yeah. to use the dark side. Not nothing. I mean, nothing. He just just puts on a, a sad face and kind of looks at him, and then yeah, that's he, all. I he mean, he to had Masamita do most of the work, I believe. Wasn't that that blue guy's name that yeah, sat with his, him in the center? Essentially, like yeah, his his lackey, his yeah. imperial, his uh, not imperial, but his senatorial lackey. Yeah, so anyways, um, we're not yeah. here to, like, really beat on Jar Jar. I mean, he, he's taken enough, but Gungans were mentioned in Resistance, so it had to make the Easter egg and franchise breakdown video. So as Nick and I kind of teased, that's it. I mean, th- th- there was really nothing else. Uh, at one point, I swear the crate that Kaz gets locked in had a number designation that should have made sense. Uh, I thought it was lead at first, but as I looked at it, the only way you could just dis- uh, determine what it would be if they were numbers would be an L7, a 1, and a 3. I'm just like, that wasn't ringing a bell. I mean, one of the biggest numberings in Star Wars universe is, you know, what, 1338? Yeah, TK421, 1338, yeah. and then like... Right, because um, that was Lucas's... The cell number. THX movie, so... Yeah. Anyways, let's get on to the recap and review of this episode. Again, this was Season 1, Episode 13, titled Dangerous Business. Uh, let's just start from the get-go, Nick. So it, it opens up with kind of a surprise scene, at least a surprise for Team Fireball, as they happen upon Kaz, who has taken it upon himself to not only secure parts for the Fireball, but to repair it so Tam can actually get a chance to fly it. So I I, I, I like this opening. Again, it's kind of this, this since we've come back from the midseason break, we are seeing Kaz change a bit. He's becoming more proactive, more of a, I don't want to see a, a, a team player because I think he's always been a team player, but he's just, I don't know, he's thinking about people more and he's thinking about taking care of people, making people happy. I mean, he is becoming that hero we've talked about. Yeah, he's he's also becoming more competent. Like he's trying to show his competency to Tam and to Yeager and so you know, instead of him being known as the idiot boy who can't do anything, like he's a mechanic <laughs> who can't fix yeah. anything, like he's now showing that, look, you know, I can do this. I can make these repairs. I can, you know, install these parts without you guys hanging over my shoulder. Now granted, he doesn't do it perfectly, which is why he ends up in acquisitions, but he's showing the proactiveness in leadership quality i guess you would say like he's showing that he can be a leader and he can do things on his own without having somebody hanging over his shoulder so that was really cool i think it just also shows the type of person that he is i mean you know tam's always complaining like kaz doesn't even fix it he's the one that always breaks it he always gets to fly it i mean the fact that he went and basically loaned out himself to get the parts 
and then tried to fix it shows a lot about who Kaz is becoming and really who he's always been. But it just you can tell like he's very comfortable now with his new family on the Colossus. So as Nick hinted, the reason Kaz ends up in acquisitions is because he made a deal with Flix and Orca like, hey, give me those parts now and I will work them off. So they essentially enlist them to watch the shop for the day as they go on a holiday. And so that's, that's really where the, the main part of this episode kicks off, is when Kaz is left alone with BB-8 to hold down the fort in acquisitions. Yeah, so that opens up all of the the you know upcoming events, and it really starts off when this new character by the name of Taraj Key comes in looking for a very specific type of part that he had ordered previously from Flix and Orca and he had been waiting on for at least, I think he said it had been two weeks or something like that, that he ordered it. He didn't get it. He was very angry. So um, essentially Kaz goes to, you know, look for this piece of material or this, this, you know, this piece of equipment that Taraj ordered and then uh, things kind of snowballed from there. It's that's where his shadiness and his um, you could kind of tell that he wasn't a guy that was just looking for a part for his starship, right? Oh, easily. I mean, this guy walks in. I don't know who did his voice acting. He kind of sounded like uh, Dexter from Attack of the Clones. You know, Dex, the guy that mm-hmm. Obi Wan goes to visit. Yep, in the diner. Anyways, he had a a great voice. This Taraj Key. But yeah, as Nick said, as soon as he came in, the way he was kind of bearing on his chest around, like, blah, 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 I want that, I get that. I get. You just tell he was shady. And um, you could tell that he was not who he said he was. And as Nick and I were talking before we went live, we were like, you know, this episode really kind of strung us along a bit before they really punched us back with that first order plot. Uh, but we both realized that there was something more than meets the eye with Taraj. And as we'll find out as we work our way through the recap, he definitely was not who he said he was at first. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, after kind of hassling uh, Kaz for this new part, Taraj ends up just buying a bunch of random parts from him anyway because Kaz can't give him what he's looking for. And then after that, is i mean like i was so i was watching a little bit at work but i think they both like kaz and bb8 have like some sort of get together discussion after he leaves the the um the office or the the shop he's like they're like there's something wrong with this guy and then um kaz goes to like follow him he like doesn't he try to follow him to to wherever he's going to see what kind of information he could get on this guy like he knows that there's something up with him so he goes to try to, you know, see what his his motivations are and what exactly he's looking for. And then this is where Kaz gets caught in a trap. He gets caught in some sort of large shipment container and, and left there to essentially die if it was up to Taraj. And uh, that's where we get to the scene uh, with BB-8 and Taraj back in the, in the shop as Taraj is going through going to there to basically rip it apart and look for this phase connector that he was uh, requesting previously. Yeah, so, I mean, BB-8 kind of warned Kaz, but it it shows, again, that Kaz, I mean, he's, he's serious about being a resistance spy, and he's going to take any lead he comes across these days, and he's going to follow up on it. So he, he does. He gets himself caught very easily. I mean, 
this is the clumsy aspect of Kaz's heroism, after all. Uh, I mean, it's almost the way he gets captured, Nick. It's almost like he wanted to get captured that way. But anyways, yeah, it, it was it was to kind of give BB-8 his moment, a, as we talked about during the Easter egg section of this Resistance recap. But, you know, BB tries his damnedest to kick this guy's ass, gets a rope swing going on, breaks out some of his tools, wasn't enough. So Taraj makes off with the the phase connector, which we're, we're going to reveal its purpose. I mean, it was very... I like that, that they kept the mystery behind the device throughout the episode until the very end where we casually learned what it was for, but it's not just a casual device. It's going to have some pretty big impacts on Kaz's mission moving forward. <coughs> um, excuse me. So after Taraj leaves with the phase connector... Kaz, you know, he gets himself out. He uses some of his new mechanics ingenuity. Uh, kind of does the old, I'm going to get a magnifying glass and fry an ant trick. But I saw metal, that. Right? It was hilarious because he was using an actual flame, though, wasn't he? It, yeah, it was. Um, The way he explained it was whatever torch that was, like it would not get hot enough or strong enough to melt through the metal of the crate. Yeah. So yeah. he had to use that that amplifying glass or whatever to kind of torch it up yeah yeah so that was a really cool scene just seeing him i guess you know macgyver his way out of this crate it was really cool and it was just in time because he was literally seconds from death like this crate was being dropped off into the ocean that that is underneath the colossus station and he was really working on a time crunch so the way the scene plays out is he's up there he cuts it the doors open, and right at that moment, boom, the crate falls. And you think, oh, my God, is he in the water? Is he dead? Where is he? Where did he go? And yeah, then he, he and pulled a Luke. He, like, shot yeah. up. I mean, he didn't use the force, obviously, but he kind of shot out and grabbed the rafters. And was, I just like the interaction with the bozo that was dropping him. Oh, the guy's yeah. like, what are you doing up there? He's like, um, working. I'm working. He's like, all right, whatever. <laughs> yeah. It was. It was a great interaction between those two. Yeah, so once Kaz gets out, he um, obviously now knows Taraj is uh, up to no good, and he's going to go steal the phase connector. He checks in, BB-8 knows it's stolen. So he heads off down to the, the loading dock, uh, the, the, the docking bays, whatever, and he finds Taraj, sees him load on the ship, follows him onto the ship. That's when we finally get it, Nick, right? That's when we finally mm-hmm. get the reveal in this episode, the big picture. We, we finally learn who Taraj is working for and what they're planning to do. No, we don't really learn what they're planning to do with it yet, but we definitely learn Taraj's true intentions. Yeah, we finally get that reveal when the stormtroopers of the First Order march onto the deck of the ship and start having a conversation with Taraj about his newly acquired uh, mechanical device, this phase connector. So we know, finally, towards the end of the episode, that Taraj was indeed working for the First Order to provide them with this piece of machinery that they need to go about their evil deeds. So once Kaz see this, sees, the, you know, sees these troopers walk onto the, uh, onto the ship, he goes into high alert mode. And it is also at that moment that he realizes that he's been followed onto this ship by a very intrepid little friend. I'm, I'm from glad the you're bringing him up because honestly, dude, Bitey, Bitey was one hell of a little special uh, guest character in this episode. <laughs> he was, he was, he was really fun 
So in the beginning of the episode, this this little creature called Bitey is sitting in acquisitions with uh with Flix and Orca, and you know Kaz kind of waves his hand at him and he gets bit right on the finger. And um, I think it was it was Orca that told well, him. Well, they like, warned hey, him. They said, "Don't yeah. wiggle your fingers in front of his face." Exactly. It's like he thinks that they're food. So um, Bitey is the one that essentially saves the day in this situation because he you know. Kaz is trying to figure out a way to bring the ship down. Like I can't, they've already taken off. They're already off of the Colossus and they're, they're heading out of, out of the planetary system. And Kaz is scrambling to try to figure out how he can bring the ship down. And then he realizes, holy shit, Bitey's right here. He's got the sharpest teeth of anything that's ever bitten me. So he just baits him into biting through the circuit board on the ship and bringing it down. Um, so I thought that was pretty fun. Yeah, like it, it was a fun, <laughs> it was a fun moment, especially when Bitey hits the circuitry, and you know he's like, yeah, and then yeah. that's when Taraj and the troopers, all hell breaks loose at that point, right? I mean, it, they mm-hmm. start shooting at Bitey, shooting at Kaz. Kaz gets off in an escape pod, and he's like, oh no, Bitey sacrificed himself. But luckily, we find that Bitey actually jumped onto the escape pod himself and was just stuck to the windshield. So, thankfully. Bitey was not just a tragic hero. He yeah. could come back. Like Bitey's arc is not over yet. He's so anyways, not, he's not done. He's not uh, uh, trust me people, Bitey's worth watching this episode for alone. He's great. Yeah. He gets a lot of good little comedic moments in. But anyway, so Kaz and Bitey are successful in sinking the ship, taking it down and ultimately destroying the phase connector that the first order was trying to steal via proxy through Taraj Key. And that, that's the interesting thing here, right? So now the First Order, we know they've used pirates via proxy to screw with the Colossus and essentially get their invite to become its protectors. And now they're using characters like Taraj Key to steal items from the Colossus for their endgame. So we, we still really didn't know what this device was until the end here, Nick, when you know Kaz obviously re- returns to acquisitions it's a mess because of the fight with Taraj and BB. Flix and Orca, they come back. They're not too pissed at Kaz because I, I thought it was funny that they were happy that Kaz was willing to blow up a ship and their product just to make sure that someone couldn't steal it first off. Yeah, yeah. They were actually impressed. They, were, they weren't mad. They were impressed. And if you look at the shop, the shop the shop's is destroyed. I mean, it was a disaster. But it was, it was really cool. And then... You know, that leads Kaz to essentially ask, like, what is this device? Like, why was he so bent on taking this? And, you know, Flix and Orca are kind of, they don't come out and say, like, oh, my God, this is this is huge. They're like, well, this is like a mining device. Like, people use this to mine asteroids and other celestial bodies to essentially hollow them out if possible, if they're looking for minerals or something like that. And it doesn't ring a bell for Kaz, and rightly so, but it should ring a bell for anybody uh, who who knows anything about the upcoming trilogy, about TFA. Well, even I mean, about, Kaz, Kaz, it, it, it was should curious to him, because he was like, yeah. hey, I, I need to let the Resistance know, because if you remember, Kaz has seen... The hollowed out asteroid. Right, so, I mean, he, know, he, he correctly guesses, I believe, that they could be using this to either mine more deadlinite to make more blasters. Yeah. Or as, or as you know, Nick and I, are, I think, are thinking, 
you know, maybe that maybe they needed these things to help them hollow out the core of Starkiller base, and they're just exactly kind of needing it for the finishing touches. Either way, he learns that they were trying to jack via proxy a device that's used to essentially carve up planets, if you will, um, for their innards. Uh, blow them away. I mean, if you've seen the construction of Starkiller Base, they literally, they essentially hollowed out uh, the core of this planet with something. And, then, and, yeah. and this is potentially the, the type of tools that they use. So, I mean, that that's why we like this show, right, Nick? It's when we get these little lore nuggets that progress the show's plot, but also kind of give some insights into the film trilogy that we've been watching and we can't wait to see end this December. Yeah, there was no way that we were going to find out exactly how the First Order hollowed out these celestial bodies, the asteroid that we saw in the previous episode of Resistance and Starkiller Base through the movies. It's just not an important enough plot point to kind of throw in there. So that's why these shows, these comic books and stuff like that um, are useful. We get these, we finally get context behind, you know, how something as incredible as Starkiller Base was built. Like, how do you take an entire planet hollow it out and then build an entire like first order base inside of it well now we know in small part what was used to do that so it is it's really cool to see something like this make its way into resistance and then also give context into the into the new film trilogy so it was really cool to see something like that yeah so while the episode was fun i mean really three quarters of it you're kind of like oh you know this is this is neat we're getting to see kaz again just kind of spreading his wings becoming more of that star wars hero albeit with kaz's style applied to it but then at the end you know the 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 last act the climax if you will you you got some good stuff i mean you learned that yeah hey the first order is always trying to fuck with the colossus uh, get the upper hand, get an advantage, and in this case, just steal from it. Uh, and we also learned that what they're trying to steal were tools that could be used to do some of the stuff we saw they did on Starkiller Base, and obviously earlier in this show itself, how they you know mined for Deadland Night to make massive amounts of blasters. So ultimately, Nick, it ended up being a pretty good episode. I mean, anytime they they can infuse the First Order plot in get Kaz doing his resistance spy thing. I'm always going to be a big fan. Exactly. Yeah. I'm glad that we're back on this track. Um, the first episode, like you said, you know, last week was definitely a reintroduction, a, a slow ramp up back into the the season. But I think now that we have this, the, the first order plot sprinkled back in and ultimately knowing where we're going with this season I'm looking forward to next week's episode and then moving forward to see how this is going to ramp up even more. What else are we going to see? Who else is going to be involved? You know, we had a mention of Captain Phasma in this episode um, after, you know, Taraj reached out to um, Commander Pyre saying, you know, I, I couldn't get it. Like, I, I had it. And then, you know, the ship was taken down by this mechanic from the Colossus station. And, you know, I, I can't get it. Pyre was quick to say, you know, Captain Phasma is not going to be pleased with this. So I'm really interested to see where this plot line goes and how, you know, if we're going to see any other First Order people, like we know that we're at least going to see General Hux on, you know, via via Holonet. So should be should be I, really interesting. I, I think of anything else, this series has proven that Captain Phasma probably was the true number three 
in in the first order. I mean, she was definitely in charge of some big shit. I mean, I think so. Clean up yeah. duty, uh, the nefarious side of the first order. I mean, if you can say they have one, since their whole side's nefarious, right? Yeah. Uh, but I mean, she definitely was the the doer. You know, I mean, because at this point, Kylo's out on his journey to find clues about the map to Luke. And and Huxy boy is just worried about getting Starkiller ready so he can do his big, you know, Hitler speech and blow away the Hosnian system. Yeah, she was um, fast was the, the one like accomplishing stuff, you know, getting getting uh, minerals made and then blowing up the place so no one can track them. You know, getting yeah. this Colossus situation figured out probably so they can have a fuel reserve. Uh, so yeah, I, I think the show is is sh- showcasing that she was a pretty big player within the first order, and that's probably why she got the nice cool armor. Yeah, exactly. So um, that about wraps it up for this episode of Resistance. Again, it was it was definitely better than the last one, and it sets up some really interesting interactions moving forward in in season one. And you know, I'm really looking forward to the next episode. I think this one was a really strong one. And yeah, there's a lot, a lot to cover. Yeah, I believe from here on out, they're gonna all include the first order plot. I mean, let's see, the first half I believe went what eleven episodes. We might get a full season around 2022. Yeah, uh, if that's the case, though, I believe this thing's just gonna ramp up towards a pretty massive climax slash cliffhanger type of ending. So. Stay tuned. You know, Nick and I will be doing our Resistance recap uh, for the Star Wars Time Show. And, you know, I'll be doing the uh, video recap and reviews for the episodes themselves, as well as Easter Egg and Star Wars franchise reference videos. We've got you covered. That's why we call ourselves Star Wars Time, right? There's always time for Star Wars Time. And Nick Nick and I make sure to make plenty of time for that type of time. All right, people? Stay tuned for the next episode of Resistance Recap and the Star Wars Time Show proper, where we're going to have some special things to talk about. I've already found something this week. I think it's another Hamill troll moment. You never know. He could be spoiling stuff. It was good. It's on the site right now. Check it out, StarWarsTime.net. We're bringing it at you, people. We are a Star Wars resource you want in your life. All right. Until next time, may that force be with you. Always. (laughs) 